Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, you are listening to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we talk about films we think might be underrated, underseen, or sometimes we just want to talk about them. I'm the host of this week, Josh Hallam, and I'm joined, as ever, by my co-host, Alice Oliver. It was Alice's turn to pick this week, and she chose Beethoven from 1992. So, let's see what we thought. Alice. Mm-hmm. Beethoven, then. Big dog. He's a composer. He wrote such classics big dog. As, that big dog. A, a big dog of composers. He's certainly one of the big dogs. He's up there with Mozart, Bach, Debussy. Um, anyway, uh, so you pick this one. So tell the lovely people at home a little bit about what Beethoven is about. And then why did you pick it? Is it underrated? Is it underseen? Do you just like big dogs? Yes, obviously, I just like the big dogs. But also... There are other reasons why I picked it as well. But small what is dogs. it about? So, small dogs, puppies, yeah. all of Medium them. Medium sized dogs. dogs. I love yeah. all dogs. Yeah. So, so, Beethoven, he is a St. Bernard puppy in a pet shop who gets stolen by some bad guys who are going around stealing puppies and dogs for their boss, who is an evil vet. Beethoven manages to escape the bad guys and starts wandering around looking for his forever home. And that's when he comes across the Newton family. So mum and kids absolutely love the puppy and want to keep him. But dad, George, isn't convinced. But after some persuasion, he agrees that they can keep the dog. So Beethoven is loving. He's kind. He seems to be a little bit psychic and can sense when things are going wrong in the family. And he strives to make them right. We watch him grow up and then the evil vet from the beginning returns. And now he's looking for a big dog with a big skull so what I so that what I think is an arms dealer can test his bullets by shooting big dogs in the skull to see if his bullets shatter properly so then the vet fakes that Beethoven attacks him and says that he needs to be put down but then before it's too late George Newton figures out what's going on and manages to rescue Beethoven as well as dozens of other dogs that they have captured in cages so that is what the film is about why did I pick it so this is this has happened a few times on the podcast podcast already. Family, you know, childhood favorite. Absolutely mm. loved it when I was a kid. Watched it to death. Um, still, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, Beethoven. I wonder, I wonder what that's looking like now. Like, am I going to go back and watch this, and it's just going to be terrible? And I just had like my child goggles on, and it's just, you know, there's just nothing to mm. it. Mm. Um, I went on to look at the critical reception, and it was like it wasn't good. Ooh. Like it really wasn't good, and. 
some of the stuff that the critics said about this was really mean. And I was like, oh shit, I've got this wrong, haven't I? This must be a really bad film that I just remember as being good because of the nostalgia. So I was just desperate to watch it again for that. But I thought it was brilliant, Josh. Really? I thought it was brilliant. And I have no idea what the critics are talking about, but maybe you'll be able to shed some light <laughs> on that and maybe shatter the glass is a little it, bit and let me know where I've gone wrong. Is it wrong. because they don't like small, medium or large dogs? Must be. The right? more cat, they're cat be. people. Critics cat are people. always cat You're people. You're all cat people. <laughs> um, I, can, I, can, I mean, I can definitely see... It's the sort of film I could imagine being poorly reviewed. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But but I'd be interested to know when we come back to it. I'd be interested to know what they said. Like, mm -hmm. what do they specifically dislike about it? But mm. before that, then, let's get stuck into it. So you watched it again and you loved it. Mm -hmm. But what? Had you seen this one? Oh, had I seen this one? Uh, no. Yeah. So no, I hadn't, hadn't seen it. What? No, I'd heard of it and then also thought it was Airbud. Um, which is, okay, a, is another I film. Seen that I think one, that's yeah. one where it's a dog playing basketball. So I hadn't okay. seen it. I just knew it was yeah. about. All I knew was it was about a dog. Mm -hmm. That's all I knew. So I'd never seen it. Went into it. I didn't go into it with low expectations. I went into it with this isn't going to be for me for now. Exactly. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, a lot, don't yeah, I? Yeah. It's like... But but do you know what I thought overall? It was a perfectly good family film. With very some good, big, big old melodramatic comedy performances, some colourful mm -hmm. sequence. It was a lot funnier than I thought. It had some mm -hmm. heart and you get your villains who've got your comeuppance. So I've split my sort of what I liked into a lot of it's about genre. So we'll come okay. back to that. But mm. I, I I know you got stuff to say. So bark away. Oh, uh -huh. Wait, Very good. No, that sounds like I'm calling you a dog. Um, no, that's okay. That's, Go that's ahead. Fine. You call yeah. me worse, Josh. You call me worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you like about it? This time around, what did you like about it? Big dog. <sighs> There's so much. So much that I liked about it. I liked so much more about it than I thought I would. And I just liked the whole thing so much more than I thought I would. So obviously, it's about dogs, right? And there's a lot of dogs in this. There's lots of puppies at the beginning. So I loved seeing all of that. And I love Beethoven. And I think the film does a terrific job at giving the dog a massive personality, considering that he isn't talking. So like, if you think about something like Homeward Bound or some of the other sort of animal-centric films where they give them voices, Beethoven doesn't have a voice. So in order to build his personality, the film uses sounds and music and camera angles and the way that he interacts with humans and other dogs. And I feel like this was really effective. And I'm just obviously curious to hear what you had to say about that because it's easy for me to think this is brilliant because when I start watching it, I go back to being like an eight-year-old and thinking, mm. oh my God, the dog's so cute and all that. <laughs> um, so so did, did did you feel that? Did you feel yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, Oh, good. So we're both dog people, right? Yeah. Both of us. I don't, I don't have a dog. I want a dog. I just haven't. Mm -hmm currently got the time to commit to make it fair to have a dog mm -hmm. and um, that is a very responsible thank decision you. Thank that you've you. made josh um whereas you do because you work from home and etc mm -hmm. etc um not to, sorry we're going into our personal lives you know? and okay, also okay, yeah, divulge. yeah. yeah. <laughs> basically also as people who follow our instagram will know we've got two house rabbits so it wouldn't exactly be fair on them to let a dog no. rip them limb from no. limb um, <laughs> so anyway um, so we're both dog people so i think if you like dogs it definitely helps like anything does mm -hmm. i mean those puppies at the start are so fucking cute 
Yeah. They're so cute. cute. You spend Thank the whole you. thing going, oh, it's like the bit in The Simpsons with the, with the different sheep. Oh, yeah. out of the <laughs> way, you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, but so, so yeah, I definitely enjoy it. Like you say, it's difficult with stuff like this because it's not a CGI dog. It's a mm. real, well, it's multiple real dogs. And it does, and it doesn't talk. Doesn't have like a weird mono in a monologue or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's it's just there. And like you say, they seem to to show that this dog positively affects the family's lives. What it does is have the dog almost be this omnipresent character that seems mm-hmm. to show up. And if you actually think about it logically, it's a load of rubbish. Like of the course. like the fa- it seems to be able to be in multiple yeah. with the magic. <laughs> Don't let logic interfere with having a good time. But it feels like yeah. you know it's in multiple places at once. It gets to places it would never get to. But it's mm-hmm. almost like that doesn't matter because it's about how mm-hmm. it enriches and improves this family's life. Right. So I really like that. Um, yes. And it's also about how the characters around him react with him as well. And they always mm-hmm. say you know it's difficult for actors to work with dogs and children, but. They do a good job in this. I mean, there's plenty of mm-hmm. films where you can see them interacting and it's like they can't quite get a decent performance out of, you know, a child or they can't quite get the dog to do what they want it to do. Whereas this, I don't think this is the case. You know, they, I think they do they do do a good job in this. I think the dog, I think the dog is good. So yeah, definitely, definitely like the dog, but it helps that I'm a, I'm a dog person. Okay, good. So that just wasn't me with my eight-year-old goggles on sort of ruining it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so it's it's very cartoony and mm. it is very similar to things like Ace Ventura when nature calls or Mouse Hunt is something that I yeah, saw a lot of similarities yeah. with. So in a way that a lot of the characters uh, react to, to things or the situations that they find themselves in and definitely the villains who are very one-dimensional bad guys. Like they want to test bullets by shooting the skulls of dogs, right? So, you know, just awful bad, bad guys, like no redeemable What's the most whatsoever. evil thing you exactly. can think of that would be acceptable to put in a film? Yeah, right, yeah, shooting it's like, it's like, well, we can't have, you know, this guy shags dogs, so... so. <laughs> <laughs> kid Phil, what does he do? Uh, he tests bullets out by shooting yeah. them at dogs. Yeah, yeah. It's a, right. It's, a, that's, <laughs> it's very cartoony in that regard. But I think once you've accepted that and realised that that is the kind of film that you're getting into, then you you do go along for the ride with it. I think. But if you're resistant to that or you don't get that that's what the film's going for, I don't think you'd get perhaps as much out of it as I did. Uh, I love some of the characters. So I think a lot of the side characters are great and have some really brilliant moments. But my favourite in this is the dad of the family. So George, played by Charles Grodin or Grodin. was probably Grodin. (laughs) Grodin. I do apologise if that's right, Charles. Um, So he is like the personification of the meme of dads who don't want pets. And like (laughs) all the reasons that he doesn't want a dog, which he explains to the family, are all completely valid. And by not getting a dog, he's actually being incredibly responsible because obviously there's a lot of people out there who get pets without thinking these things through, like he has, and then they get the pet and then it's harder than they imagined. And then, you know, they end up being bad pet owners or they have to get rid of it or whatever. So it's interesting because it feels like that he is meant to be like a little bit of a villain in the eyes of the family and probably through the eyes of children watching the film as well. But as a 33-year-old woman with a large dog, he's actually being incredibly responsible and forward-thinking. And then ultimately, most of the things that he is concerned about do actually happen. So I am fully on his side. Like, I'm totally with the dad. And obviously, when you're a kid, it's like, oh, no, the mean dad won't let them keep the dog and that. And I'm like, no, he makes some really good points. Um, And then later on, 
once it's believed that Beethoven has attacked the vet, you know, and he's got to go and get put down and that, he confides in the dog and in the audience that when he was younger that his dad had to get their family dog put down and that he was obviously traumatised by that event. Layers, Josh. There's layers. In layers this, to the story. Layers. Um, and then just sticking with the dad as well. So he, he's got some great one-liners and some fantastic facial expressions. And the fact that he's, what, a, a car air freshener business owner or something. Yeah, just, like, seems really to be an funny. air freshener. Yeah, it's God. just like really twee and really inoffensive. Was it... Were they? Was someone? Oh, did they own a wool factory or something? That's in in, uh, in Mouse Hunt. They have a string yeah. factory. String factory. It, but again. stuff. Films like this always have that, don't they? they yeah. just It's like rom coms. They're always like a magazine writer or book, a cut book up shop owner, book shopper, yeah. cupcake bakery, yeah, um, or whatever. <laughs> in in the in family films, it is always like they've got a summer summer shop and they've got a something yeah. something factory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's so, never like he's. Um, an accountant. Yeah, yeah. He's just, yeah, he's just, you know, uh, he's just a banker from down the road. That's yeah. it. Don't, don't think about it too much. It's always some funny little business, isn't it? But sorry, um, go on, go on. So I loved him. I loved, I loved the dad. And he he I, is, I just... uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. He is your, no, your typical, particularly 90s character dad of, oh, yeah. like you say, he's made out to be the villain, but it absolutely, actually makes valid points. Like yeah. when the kids are trying to, make a case to keep Beethoven. Mm-hmm. They make the dad breakfast and the son was like, and I've even taken Beethoven for a walk. So it makes you go, oh, so the dad's been taking the dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. Like they, they really want to keep the dog and they're like, I'm not taking it out though. Mm-hmm. Like, like, well, it's a massive dog. It needs lots of exercise. Or it's the thing of, there's always these films where you're, particularly, there's quite a few Christmas films like this and it's like, you're always working, George. Yeah, yes, you're always because working. we have a five bedroom house, yeah. three kids, and I'm the only one who works. Like, because yeah. this is the same director's jingle all the way. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, and we always like we look like in our house we quite like jingle all the way because oh, we yeah, sort of laugh at it. But we're always like they're always like Howard, what are you doing at work? It's Christmas yeah. Eve, and it's, yeah. all, it's like, but because at the same time they're like, you got your son this fucking toy. I've got him yeah. this toy. Pay yeah. for the toy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so it's always like the dad's working, like absolutely working his ass off, and it's like make time for family. Well, should we should we get a smaller house then? Yeah. Like, like, how about you go back to work yeah. then, wife? <laughs> <laughs> so no one ever goes. You know what? Fuck you. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Sorry, go on, uh, what else? What else do you, no, do you like about like that? Um, so I think it's pretty funny. And I think a particular highlight for me in terms of the comedy is the Beethoven growing up montage, right? Yes. So you see how much that he has to be fed and then the food bags keep getting like progressively bigger and bigger. <laughs> and then there's all the mud and the slobber and the ruined upholstery. I just absolutely loved it. I thought it was so funny. And just another comedy highlight as well for me, it was just this, a little one-liner, but I think that George had a lot of these one-liners that I thought was really funny. So the son, Ted, wants to learn karate, I think it is, because his friend, a girl in his class has got a yellow belt or something. And so the dad says, like, well, why don't we just skip the lessons and get you the belt? And I was just, (laughs) I don't know why, it just made me chuckle. I was like, just A class, class A dad humour is what that is. Um, I love the music. Uh, I thought it was used quite a lot, so I would accept an argument that it was being a bit overused throughout the whole thing. But I thought that it hit the mood just right every time it was I playing. Say, I, it, I think it fits. 
Yeah, it does. And I think doesn't it fits it? with the wider. It's not distracting. Yeah, I think it fits with the wider feel of the film. Yeah, the the only thing was that it's 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 a lot like it's all the time. I think like it's you don't get of, much. It's silence a lot of in bum, 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 yeah. bum, bum. It's like it's like <laughs> a, I'm a dog hunt. running down the road. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Mouse hunts the same, isn't it? It's that, exactly. Like, that. It's, it's very like so this similar. is a playful family film. And this is yep. a playful family film. <laughs> Exactly that. There are a lot of comparisons uh, between this and Mouse Hunt, I think. Um, and there was a particular motif as well that was used throughout for some of the more kind of romantic moments that sounded like the first four or five notes of I Will Always Love You. It kind of oh, went, do, 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 and then it would go off into something else. But it was really similar, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, I thought the performances on the whole were really strong, especially as there is a lot of little kids in this. And I think the screen time seems to be equally split between the kids and the adults, which I do think makes it a perfect family film. And, of course, it's got a lovely, heartwarming, beautiful, happy ending. Mm. Um, so those were the main things for me. A lot of stuff. <laughs> I could have gone on, but I had to rein it in. So what about you, Josh? Was there anything else that you, yeah, that you liked? I think you've touched on a lot of it there. Just to echo what you said about the cast. The cast are all pretty good in this. Like you say, Charles Grodin is the lead, is the dad, and he's pretty good. Um, so so yeah, good good physical performance, but also good sort of. He was he was obviously he's passed away now, because uh, he's actually a lot older than I think people think in this film. He's sort of in his late. I think he's in his mid to late fifties. Oh wow! And because yeah. um, he's a lot older than the actor who played his wife, Bonnie Hunt, who was only oh, thirty one yeah. when she made that this. That feels really familiar. I feel like I looked that up one time, and I was like, "OMG!" Yeah, yeah he's that a lot. Feels there's, really there's a, familiar. I mean, not, you know. Listen, I'm not judging fictional characters' age differences, Alice. Love no, is love. Of course not. But, of course not. but he's a lot older than her, so he has. Mm. What I mean is to give that physical performance, it's not, you know, he's doing a lot of slapstick in there and stuff like that. Mm. And I thought that was good. A lot of actors in this who went on to bigger things as well, I noticed. Mm -hmm. So you've got the Tooch, Stanley Tucci's in there. I know, yeah. Uh, with hair, weird. Um, <laughs> Oliver Platt's in there as the other. So basically, the villains are sort of like you've got. So Dean Jones plays the vet. Now Dean Jones is like a Disney staple. He's the Herbie Fully Loaded guy, right? So he's like a almost like almost like Disney Channel contract player mm -hmm. type actor. Then you've got Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt. They're basically Cruella Deville and her two yeah uh, lackeys or whatever very similar um, yeah. so there's Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci are, are in that bit and David Duchovny as well yeah he man, rocks with, up for with, a bit with Deborah from Everybody Loves Raymond yeah with Deborah from Everyone Loves <laughs> Raymond back to what I was going to say about I, I thought it was a really good example of use of genre in this film so it is a family comedy right and they get the comedy bits right and the and the family bit right and they balance the two impeccably well, I thought. Mm -hmm. So good comedy. So like the bit where it, even like there's, there's jokes in there for the adults that like we've touched on before, where there's like little winks and nods, but, but even things like not more adult humor, but jokes of like, this guy can't be asked or this guy really hates having a dog. So there's mm -hmm. a bit where Beethoven goes missing. So he puts posters up and he puts them on like every tree on the road. Mm. And it's like, obviously the joke's like, someone's gone, put these up. And he's just gone, oh my God and putting them on every tree or whatever. So I thought that was really funny. Uh, some good slapstick as well, or some good sort of comedy of misunderstanding, comedy of errors as well. You know, that scene in the bed is like is like a, oh is like a template <laughs> comedy of errors piece yeah. of script writing, right? So one character thinks one thing, one character thinks another. What they think is conflicting, 
And that's where you get your comedy from, right? Obviously, in this, one of the characters is a dog, but the dog gets in the bed for a cuddle or just to sleep or whatever, and he gets in bed thinking it's his wife, and mm-hmm. is the dog licking him and stuff like that? Yeah, and stuff his like ear, that. So, and he, he, getting he's, frisky. And he's thinking he's getting he's getting some action, and it's a big old dog. Um, so that thought, you know, good use of comedy in there as well. Just back to the family genre as well. You know, the whole heart of ice being melted storyline is in mm. this and it, it you know it's well trodden path but i think it is done really well because what they do is they 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 do the snoo they do the heart of ice being melted but what they also do is they make george a really good foil mm. so he's really he seems to be really snooty about the dog so what you like to see with snooty people is them getting taken down a peg Mm-hmm. Which is what getting happens in this. Getting covered in mud, getting covered yeah, in Yeah, covered in mud, slobber, things, yeah. falling over, banging their head, whatever. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. And uh, as well, just what just to touch on finally for me, great villains. I thought really mm-hmm. good villains. And again, another good good example of the use of sort of the tropes of a genre, if you like, is they get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Okay then, so let's move on to talking about things that we didn't like about Beethoven or that perhaps we change about Beethoven, the film, not the doc. Um, Alice, Mm -hmm. can you bring yourself to say anything? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
So, yeah, there's a couple of things, but this isn't going to be a long section and there's no real big offenders no. in there for me, to be honest. Um, I think the main thing is that the bad guys are just one-dimensional. Like, mm. they are just bad guys. Like, there's mm. no there's no kind of backstory. There's no origin there. They are just no, blokes who just want to hurt dogs. Scheming. It's like yeah. you said before, they, they refer to, you refer to, like, a villain and cronies as, like, they're goons. Just faceless yeah. goons yeah, who yeah. just do stuff for them for money or whatever. Like uh, that's what it is, isn't it? They're they're just faceless schemers. Yeah, exactly. And obviously that that is kind of what you look for in like family films and kids' films and stuff. It's very Disney-esque. Um, but if you're an adult watching this, you might want a bit something more from mm. the bad guys. You know, you want to see, well, why why did you end up like this? You know, you like to you like to get to know a bit about them. Um there's a lot of people feeding their dogs junk food in this. And I was just like, internally, like my finger was wagging. I was like, stop feeding your dogs pizza, for God's sake. <laughs> um, and then just one other thing. So this is small, but I noticed it. So I have to bring it up. Uh, so it's during one of the scenes where the family are all eating breakfast together. I'm pretty sure that Emily, who's the youngest child, is eating a bowl of Fruit Loops and there's no milk in her bowl, right? <laughs> so maybe she likes to eat them dry. Who knows? That's absolutely fine. But it looked like a bit of a gaff. And it does kind of, when things like that happen, for me, it kind of cheapens things a little bit and you lose the immersion mm. for a moment. So I tried watching this show on Netflix and I can't remember properly what it's called. It's Firefly something with Sarah Chalk in it. Um, oh, Firefly but, Lane, it's called. Yeah, so I tried yeah. watching that, and there's a scene in it where someone hands a, a character hands another character a cup of coffee, and the cup is empty. Mm. And I was like, "That's that's bad. Like that is really bad. Like at mm. least put water in it." Because the problem is, if your props are empty in that way, you start acting with them and interacting with them as if they are empty. Mm. So then that becomes really distracting. It's like, I know there's nothing in your cup and you're not holding that cup like there's anything in it. So with stuff like that, I just find really distracting. So then when Emily didn't have any milk in her cereal, I was like, that's a mistake, guys. It's like the um, it's like the kid's handwriting in Freaky Friday, isn't it? That's exactly it just takes you out. It just takes you out of the world. And you're like, what? Like you said, with props, it's, it's like when stuff is weightless. Yes. Stuff appears uh -huh. to be weightless, and it's just like mm -hmm. that's not a real prop. That's yep. not a real, you know, even things like guns or whatever. That's not clearly not a real gun because he's throwing yeah. it around like it's a, like it's an ice cream cone or whatever. I haven't yeah. seen that Firefly Lane. I only know about it because I'm a massive Scrubs fan and Sarah Chalk's obviously Elliot, yeah. and so I follow her on on social media. But um, no, I I know what you mean with prop. It's like things like if family are eating dinner and the levels in their drinks changes. Yeah, yeah, it's and it yeah, like cuts and it just, back, and that's a full glass, and then it's half a glass, and then it's like yeah, and it just reminds you, it just reminds you that oh, it's not real. These people aren't real, and this mm. is a film. And obviously, I know that, but I, I do, I like to immerse myself in stuff. Mm. That's why I can get so much enjoyment out of stuff because I mm. just, if I'm in it, I'm in it, and mm. I'm paying attention to everything. So then when little things like that happen, it's just like oh, fuck's sake, like. Like, come on! What is this amateur hour? Like, yeah, it's, it's just proper. It's a proper. It's a can... it's a film boner killer, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> that, and it's so avoidable as well. And I think that's what drives me mad. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was pretty much it, to be honest. Like, really superficial mm. stuff there from me. Uh, what about you? Was there anything you didn't like, or that you? Um, so the, the thing I've put is there's a sort of a bit of an a bit of an exposition imbalance in it. Mm -hmm. So it seems at the beginning 
that the dad is just an arsehole. Mm. And I think, I don't really know how you would do it, but I think you probably need to know a little bit more about why he is that way. Why, you know, is he really stressed with work? Why does he really not like the, you know, the idea of having a dog? Because it seems, and it's not that I fully get the whole heart being melted storyline. And I think that's really well done towards the end of the film. But at the beginning, I remember watching it thinking, why is she married to him? Mm. Why are they putting up with him? Because of that air freshener yeah, money. That, that air freshener dollar. <laughs> um, so, so stuff like that. And then at the end, and at the end when he reveals that story to Beethoven about why he didn't want a dog, it is really sweet, but I wonder if it might have had more emotional impact if it was earlier or at a different mm. point or done slightly differently. I'm not I sure. I don't know, man. I know well, what you it's the moment he's taking him to get put down yeah. because he thinks he's attacked someone and drawn blood. Like, it's heavy. I thought, I th I personally thought the timing of it was right. Mm. And I do get what you mean. There is a lot about George that isn't great and sometimes the way he speaks to his wife isn't very nice. But I think for me, because of all the things that he was concerned about in, with regards to getting a dog and then all those things do come true... I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm a little yeah. bit more on his mm. side maybe than you are. Yeah, I think maybe for me they just made him too much of an antagonist at, at, at first. Yeah. Where it's like, if he's a bit of a curmudgeon and you're like, oh, he's just a grumpy old so-and-so, where he's just sort of like outwardly a prick. Yeah. And, and there's a touch of like, there's things. literally a touch of like, why is she married to him? Yeah. Like, why is and she putting up with him? There's a moment as well, isn't she, where she says like, I think it's after he's about to like go into partnership with like David Duchovny's uh, character and his, mm. his business partner or something. And she says something like, like, we're just, we're going to leave. Like me and the mm. kids, are, we're going, we've had enough. So it does sort of indicate that mm. she was already mm. on the edge mm. and already mm. thinking like, I don't really want to stay in this situation anymore. Yeah. So, um, so maybe she isn't putting up with him, I suppose. But then, And then the other thing is, is I could have just done with a little bit more exposition at the beginning, because to be honest, until the end, I don't even know the kids' names. It's obviously Rice, Ted, and Emily, Josh. One of the kids is called Head. Ted. Oh, Ted. With a T. <laughs> Sorry. Head. Head. Heed. Head. Just makes Heed. Of yeah. Move. Heed. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's about it from me. Okay, then we'll move on to talking about the critical reception. Then this is a difficult one because, like I said to you before, this isn't for me now. Mm. But I feel like because of what we do with this podcast, we can switch that off. Yeah, and sort of go. We try. I think. I suppose one of the things is we try and contextualize watching a film versus who it's for. Yeah, certainly. So you got to watch a film like this. Like, would it do the job? I think now if you were showing a kid, it's definitely on the younger side of family films. Yeah, definitely. So if you were if you were showing it kids now, would a seven, eight-year-old like it? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, unless they particularly don't like dogs, in which case mm -hmm. they wouldn't like any dog film anyway. Um, I think so, yeah. So, so I think it's a perfectly well-executed film, good use of genre in there as well. So so I would probably say this is a, you know, it's a solid six, six and a half out of ten. Mm -hmm. Um if I was being more generous, I'd bump it up to a seven based on the execution of towards the audience. But it's perfectly wow. decent. What would you say in terms of that? Are you, is this like a nine for you because of the oh, big dog? Not that high, not that high. And I do, I, you know, 
obviously I can take my nostalgia and my emotional connection mm. to it. You know, I can consider that as well, but also putting that against actually how well it's made and how good of a film it is. And the enjoyment I got from watching it, I think maybe, I'd probably say a seven, but I'd probably say bang on seven. Like it, okay. It's not amazing and it's not blowing anyone away and that's fine. But I think, like you said, for what it is, for what it's trying to achieve, I think it ticks all the boxes. Yeah. And I think it is a great family film, as good as Mouse Hunt. Ooh, now then, I, ooh, I <laughs> well, I'd say that, that. I wouldn't agree with that. Well, I, I would think... say Mouse Hunt is slightly more adult, I would Suppose say. So, like yeah. More, yeah. more towards yeah. the adults. Um, but anyway, okay. So what anyway, do you think on. it got then? So Not you think good. you would give it like a high six? Yeah, okay. I'd, I, I think we're talking possibly sub five. Okay. Like a, yeah. let's say five, I'll say five. Uh-huh. But I think, I think I can see them being snooty about it. Yeah. But their bark's right. worse than their bite. Oh, <laughs> oh very good. Um, go on, right, let it so do. It definitely got a rough time. Uh, so <laughs> over on IMDb, at the time of recording, it gets 5.7 yeah. out of 10. And then over on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it 36%. And then the critics give it 31%. But I do want to say that when I initially checked the rating, it was in the 20s like it was about a 27 or a 29. Mm. And it's only because someone called David Nusser from Real Film Reviews gave it quite a nice review just a couple of days ago. Oh, right, that okay. That that's pushed it up into the Well, then, David. Well, so then, that David. was interesting. But no, when I checked it originally and picked it for the podcast, it was in the, it was about a 27, which I so, thought was so that, that outrageous. Out, yeah, that averages out just above a 4 out of 10 or a 40%. It's shocking, um, to be completely honest with you. And one of the really, um, one of the really awful reviews said, yeah, a family, yeah, "What did they say? What did they, say? they said a, f- a family comedy about a wacky and destructive Saint Bernard that is totally without any merit." Um, another one of the reviews said, uh, "Underlying this formulaic plot is a strange tone of desperateness in the movie's smiley face depiction of a perfect suburban nuclear family. For a family that's not missing any meals, they do more whimpering than any of the animals in the movie." And I was like, "Sorry, sorry, is, is one of their one of their sort of tent poles, one of their measuring sticks for a happy family is that they're not missing meals?" And I guess so, right? And it just, just seems a bit... It's like, that's weird. Everyone all right? Everyone had three meals today? Yeah? It's just a weird right. thing to... Like, it's not... That's not what the film's about. That is it's your typical... Film. I want to appear to be right and intelligent rather than yeah. actually say anything. How can you say this film has no merit? Yeah, I feel like that's grim. Could, I'd like to Even if you just went, more. well, puppies are cute, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> like, you could go, I fucking ate everything after the puppies, but those puppies were cute. I don't get it. That's not... I think, I just think that's the sort of thing where when we do this podcast, it's like that's, you know, that is disappearing up your ass a little bit rather It is than... a bit weird. And just, just one more as well. Someone said that Grodin's acting is so detached and lifeless that it is close to an out-of-body experience. You know, I just fully don't agree. I just yeah, fully I don't, don't agree I, with anything I they're saying, Josh. See, um, and I went into that. this... Well, like after I saw the reviews, I saw the scores, I was like, maybe I must be wrong. This must be like, mm. I am just clouded by nostalgia mm. and enjoying this when I was a kid and love of dogs and all this, blah, blah, blah. I was like, so go into it and expect it to be bad. And you know what? I've watched films and I have changed my mind about things. Like when we did mm. John Tucker Must Die, I was like, ah, it's not great. I messed up. <laughs> that sort of thing. 
But with yeah. this, I literally come out of it. I was like, that was amazing. And I don't get it. Don't no, get the hate. And that and that's it. And that's the I think that's the real joy of this podcast is going back and being like, that's I suppose there is no right or wrong. But that I would opinion, say I would it? say they've given it too much of a hard time there. Yeah. Is it for everyone? Probably not. Does it probably achieve to give the target audience a decent, entertaining time? Absolutely, yeah. There we go then. Beethoven, underrated. Um, I'm pleased about that. And I, I, I was a little bit nervous, Josh, but, you know, I'm glad that you're yeah. kind of on my wavelength with this, yeah. even, as, even as a grown man watching this child's film, yeah. that you were able to find the joy in it. <laughs> um, but there we are. Another one down. So what is going on next, next week, w- Next week. Ooh. Next week. Um, I'm interested to see how what you think of this one. So next okay, week. Okay, always fun. And I'll just give you the title. We are going to be watching and talking about Mike Bassett, England manager. Ah. Uh-huh. And <laughs> we'll say no more about uh-huh. it. So join us next week where we're going to be talking about Mike Bassett, England manager. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, the email address is filmsandthatpod at uh, gmail.com. We're on all the social medias. If you just search for Just Films and That on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, you'll find us. Uh, and it's always nice to hear from you. Give us a follow, engage with us, always putting stuff out there. We are also on the television, aren't we, Alice? We are indeed. Every Friday from 6pm you can find us on the local TV network talking about all our favourite underrated and underseen films. So if you live in Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds, Liverpool or the northeast of England, you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview. Or if you live in North Wales or South Wales, you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview. I'm also uploading all the videos to Daily Motion. so if you go on over there and type in Just Films and that, you'll be able to see what we're up to. Yes, lots of ways to see us, hear us, get in touch with us, follow us and all that stuff. But thank you, as ever, for listening. Your support means a lot. We'll be back next week with another film. It's goodbye from me. Cheerio! Bye! the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.